Not judges. That's tonight. I went to bed. I know I did some dreaming last night, but I went to bed dwelling on tonight's message. And Dana says, did you dream about it? I said, I don't know. I dreamt about something. Amen. The book of Matthew and chapter 7. This is, I'm going to do my best to stay on my notes as tight as possible today. Um, This is one of the most misused passages and abused passages among them. And uh, because everybody loves the first verse, and that's where they stop. And that's not where the passage stops. And a matter of fact, we're going to find out actually that it means a little less than what a lot of people think of it. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Judges chapter, I'm sorry. I don't know why, oh, I know why I've got judges because the word judge is in here. Every time I look down, I'm seeing the word judge, yeah. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not, or perhaps you've heard it, judge not. <clears throat> okay. Judge not, that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote, that's a sliver, a speck, that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam, that's like a log, I say a two by four. Technically, it's probably more like a, a eight by twelve. But I mean, it's this a massive, big log that is in thine own eye. Verse four. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, "Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye," and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? That's just a great picture. I mean, I'm picturing this. You know, like whack, whack. Let me help you out. Whack. I just yeah. Sorry, I've got a. I got one of those fun imaginations. I love the story of David and Goliath with him carrying the head to Saul. Some of you don't like that, but I'm just picturing David, you know, funk, 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 funk. Look what I got. I'm picturing this, you know, you got this beam sticking out of your face. Okay, with a, and a, with a speck in his, in his eye, you're beating him up and you too. Well, anyways... Verse 5, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Amen. Father, we thank you for the day. And Lord, I would ask for your help this morning as we preach through this message that you'd help us to be clear, uh, Lord, and concise. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Judge. The word judge. Again, the word everybody wants to use is, you know, judge not. Well, you can't judge me. You know, that's like if you say anything to the negative, that's where this usually comes out. You know, one of those questions, doesn't the Bible say you can't judge me because God knows my heart, which is a vast misuse of both of those statements god does know your heart that ought to scare you uh not just make you feel all that wonderful and great 
Uh, think about the arc of Paul's references to himself. I'm a sinner. I wish I could remember the second. I never remember the second one, but then the third one is, on his way to his deathbed, he says, I'm the chiefest of sinners. The older Paul got, we look at him as a greater apostle, and he says, no, I'm just the worst sinner there ever was. That's a, interesting. But this passage, again, misused much. The word judge here is not what you would think, okay? As a matter of fact, it is what you'd think and not what, how, how people use it, okay? The idea here is, is um, if you've ever heard the word censorious or censorious, um, in other words, to censure someone. In other words, you meet them, you make a, a call on who they are, what that person is, and in your head, because you got that call and because that's what you think, that's it for them. That's what they are. Or maybe they, do, maybe they fail at something one time, and for the rest of their life, this very much happens in you know, communities where everybody knows each other. You know, and some teen, when he's like, I don't know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, does something stupid, and when he's 30, people are still bringing it up. You know what I'm talking about? Is everybody here? I must have hit close to home. That was an interesting response on that one. But anyways, the pronounced judgment. It's, it's, in other words, you look at a person and you immediately censure that person. You are the arbiter of their life. You, you make a call and in your mind, that's, it's to pass your own personal judgment with condemnation. Okay? In other words, they are guilty. They're, they're, and it, I mean, it's their deeds, their words, it's, it's done. Okay? This is not a reference to all judgment, okay? Because we expect the civil courts, which are appointed by God, okay, that's a God-ordained thing, civil court, we expect them to pronounce judgment, don't we? We don't want them all the time to, you know, well, you know, he was a great guy before he stabbed three people, you know. Can't we just look at the great guy and just, you know... Give him a break. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Now, civil courts are approved by God himself and his apostles. And I'm not going to give you all these verses. We don't have time. I'll write, I'll write these down. You write, I mean, I'll read them. You write them down if you'd like to look at them. But Titus 3.1, Romans 13. You can't get around Romans 13. That's God's approval of government. And Genesis 9.6, by the way, is God's direct approval of of uh, capital punishment, not God's institution of capital punishment prior to the law, the church is directed to be a judge on those who walk disorderly, and, okay, on members, church members who walk disorderly to church doctrine and practices. That's in Matthew 18, that's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, that's 2 John 10, that's 1 Corinthians 5. The church is expected to cast judgment, again, now this is judgment based upon biblical directives, okay? If they're not following this, then the church is to, is to respond this way. And that's, even that's what government is. That's, government has a law. If they're not doing this, this is going to be the response. That should be pretty typical. Oh, by the way, if you want to talk about disciplining your kids, that should also be what that is. Here's, here's where the line is, and here will be the response from the parent when you cross that line. Don't choose the response after they've crossed the line. After they've crossed the line, they don't know they've crossed. Or maybe they think maybe they crossed, but mom, dad hasn't really said anything. Make it clear. For this, this is the response. For this, this is the response. It's better for both you and, and the kid by a long shot, just telling you. You get away from all the, the responses and anger. and uh, Anyways, just keep on going. So the church is directed to be a judge. 
Okay, and biblically, we are also told that we are to do some private or personal judgment as well. Okay, false prophets, we're supposed to judge against false prophets, clearly. Matthew chapter 7, uh, 1 John chapter 4, those are clear directives to us as individuals to look at false prophets and say, uh-uh, I'm not listening to you, I'm not, I'm, no, I'm, matter of fact, I'm leaving the area. I mean, that's clear as a bell, okay? Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which we have learned, which you have learned, and avoid them. That's personal judgment. That's clear. That is as clear as a bell in Scripture. So we have to be careful about this whole bit about, you can't judge me. Well, now, I can if the Bible says that's a sin, but now here's the deal. Do I have the authority to do so? That's the question. Because judgment should be cast by authority. This is talking about, even this personal judgment is talking about discerning. And of course, today's day and age, if you say what you discern, you know, I understand. It, there's, some, there's some truth to the fact that words can hurt. At the same time, if you grow up as an adult, you have to learn that people can say whatever they want. It's not going to change who I am and what principles I live by. Amen. Adults don't respond out of emotional anger and, and use, use words as, well, I shouldn't say that they do, but people who are mature should not, okay? The idea being here is that in my personal life, I also am supposed to look at people that are walking contrary. In other words, they know what they're supposed to do, and they're purposefully walking contrary to that. That's what that means. I should be looking at them saying, you know, I'm going to pray for you, brother, but I ain't going with you. Sorry. And I ain't, don't ask me to approve of what you're doing. I can't do that. I'm not going to do it. Amen. By the way, that's just as much love as pretending that you're going along with whatever they're doing. Amen. If they're going against doctrine, you're not helping them by going along with them and their wrong doctrine. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. If any man teach otherwise, to whole good sound doctrine, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud. Is that judgment? He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and stripes of words, whereof come envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. <laughs> That's some personal discernment that you're supposed to exercise that in today's day and age would be said, well, you're just judging me. Yeah. Well, no, I'm doing what Scripture says, okay? I'm trying to obey what Scripture says. And then, frankly, you know, there's nothing wrong uh, with disciplining our, our dividing ourselves, and some of you would. And people, people that say, don't, don't judge, they're over there busy judging everyone. <laughs> well, you're this. You're just a stinking, oh, you know, we, you're a stinking Republican. Well, you're a stinking Democrat. Well, you're a stinking capitalist. Well, you're a stinking socialist. All these people saying, you can't judge me, and that's what they're doing. They're judging everyone else. I mean, it's just great, whatever, how you want to call it. Now, all that stuff that we've mentioned is not what's being talked about here in chapter 7. Okay? This, and the, I just got a quote from a guy, and I'm going to read it because he did it the best way. This commandment is leveled at rash, 
censorious and uncharitable judgments and the fault-finding spirit or disposition which condemns upon surmise, assumption, without examination of the charges, forgetful that we also shall stand in the judgment and shall need mercy. Our judgment of Christians must be charitable. That's Bible. John chapter 7, 1 Corinthians 13. Our judgment of Christians must be charitable. Why do you think, why do you think we're told to be long-suffering and gentle and kind? Okay, keep, keep up with me. In remembrance of the fact that they are God's servants just as we are God's servants, Romans 14, and that God is the one who reserves for himself the ultimate right of judging both them and us. Okay, so you get that. It's that... <clears throat> Okay, so John's driving along the highway, not, not this John, just John, just John Doe, okay? Driving along the highway, he's just left home, he's on his way to work, and he's got a little extra time, he sees a hitchhiker, so he picks him up, and he's going down the road, and the longer they talk, he's getting a little suspicious of this hitchhiker, he's just acting weird, saying weird things, and all of a sudden he's like, where's my, I don't got my wallet. He's like, all right, we're done. Pulls over. He says, all right, get out and give me the wallet. And the guy, he's like, oh, he gets out and he hands him the wallet. And John goes home, just can't believe it, gets home to his wife. He's got to go back and get his wallet. And like, I mean, he's got his wallet. He goes back to his wife. He says, my goodness, I just can't believe this. This, is, this guy, he stole my wallet and is walking in there. There's his wallet laying on the counter, and he opens up the wallet he got, and it's got the picture of the guy that was the hitchhiker. <laughs> Here, the judgment, because he felt like, Something wasn't right, and he cast judgment. This is the kind of thing that we're talking about, this kind of judgment. We live in a world of retaliation, don't we? Come on. If you throw a rock, somebody else is going to shoot bullets. You shoot bullets, they're going to throw bombs. You throw bombs, they're going to shoot missiles. I mean, it, that, the whole world. This is the whole world right now. And I mean politically, I mean militarily, that, that's where we're at. It is a world of retaliation. A matter of fact, uh, I would encourage you, not, not, not from a... A Christian aspect, but I would encourage you, especially young people, if you're under 30, I would encourage you to read Dan Crenshaw's book, Fortitude. Uh, just a, a good book about a guy who learned how to grow up um, and how to handle all this stuff. Good, good stuff. But we live. You throw a verbal judgment at someone, I mean, you know, I got perfect confidence. They are this. You can expect, within a heartbeat, there's going to be a verbal missile coming right back at you. That's the world we live in. And if you throw a verbal missile back, there's going to be a verbal war. Start. I mean, it's just, that's the whole world of retaliation. Judgment bombs thrown at people because we see something that us is clearly wicked. And how come they can't see it? And it's clearly something that that person should not be doing. Okay? They need to stop. I just, you know, they, uh, somebody needs to correct them. And maybe I should be the one to do that. I mean, don't, don't tell me we don't live in this world. We do. And some of you, if you're honest with yourself, have found yourself in the same position more often than not. You just have to admit it. No, no, they're always the ones in the wrong. Uh-huh. You know the old story. Got one finger pointing out. There's always three pointing back. Amen? Amen. First of all, and you all know this, but this is again, you don't know the true motives for everything that everyone is doing. You don't. You do not know what everyone's thinking and why they're doing it all the time. That's why I encourage way more, I I mean, between husbands and wives, this should be like a no-brainer. Never assume what what your husband or wife is doing or thinking. Ask, talk, find out, 
dig, dig a little deeper. Never assume. The kid speeding past you in his car, and I know someone this happened to, the kid speeding past, past you in the car, running you off the road, looks like he shouldn't even have a driver's license, might be taking his mom to the hospital. True story. Actually happened. The person rushing, rushing and rushing you out of the way, running up there and pushing you around, may actually be trying to stop you from getting hurt from an oncoming whatever. The person hollering at you from across the lawn might actually be trying to warn you about a rabid dog. The other believer walking into a bar may be going in there to drag a family member out and back home. You don't know the circumstances and what's in everyone's heart at all times. Do you hear what I'm saying? But every one of us in this room have made those kind of snap judgments where we have in our mind said guilty, wicked. Don't tell me we're not. Why? Because this has been since the beginning of time humans have done this kind of stuff. It is a natural response to elevate yourself by putting others down or put another way to try to feel better about my sins by pointing out everyone else's sins. Okay, because they're worse. I, I just had a conversation on a plane with a guy. This is what he said, no kidding. Well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not a great guy, but I've never committed murder or anything, you know, but, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm not a, I don't keep all the rules. You know. I mean, that, and that's, that's how he placed himself. You know, well, I'm, you know, somewhere in the middle, about like everybody else, I suppose. Uh, so my experience, uh, from my family's experience, would be something like this. A man from the south is enjoying his tobacco while loudly berating a man from the north as he swam at the beach. While the northern man in the water stares at the man in the south in unbelieving horror that he would have such thing as tobacco in his mouth each having been raised to believe that the other's sin was unbelievably wicked and theirs, the thing that they were doing, is not near that bad. Do you hear me? Believers do this all the time. Uh, You all know I'm a King James only guy. Met a man, uh, met a preacher, a pastor, and uh, he found out we were King James only and all the walls came up. I mean, instantaneous, and we're like, and we're at his church. We were at the church before he was there, and then he was the pastor after he just let us come, and so we began to talk. Found out he didn't even know there was an argument about the King James. He was never raised to see that there was a differences in the Bibles. Nobody ever took time to point him out. He was engaged to be married to a, to a lady, and they found out he didn't have a stance, and they cut the whole thing off, but how they cut it off was abrupt and mean, and, I mean, they were throwing verbal bombs, and he's over there going, what just happened? Because he'd never even heard there was an argument. You hear what I'm saying? And so he heard KJV from us, and his walls came up, and we heard not, not King James from him, and thanked the Lord for my dad, not throwing the walls up, instead saying, what, are you okay? What's the matter? What, can we talk about this? And come to find out, you hear what? Amen. Listen, you, we know that we do this. You should not condemn people. And here, here he is saying, he said, and why are you bothering to look around? Because that's what it is. That when he says, thou beholdest the mote that is in thy brother's eye, that word beholdest means that the idea is that there was some like examination and perception involved. Like there had to be some examination and judgment cast, perceiving. It's not just I happened to see this as I was walking along. It's kind of like this. 
you know, I think I see something wrong right there. You hear? Why are you looking around for trouble in the first place? God is the only, listen, truth be known, aren't we glad that God has mercy? And if for truth be known, do we not know how many, maybe a little bit bigger than moats, are in our own life? And I think the Bible uses the term correctly because when we look at our problems, they seem sometimes insurmountable, don't they? They seem massive, like we need help. If you've got a two-by-four coming out of your eye, you need help with that. And most people know that. You'd want to pull it off and not be able, I mean, you'd be like, hey, uh, some help. You understand? While we look at other people and think, ah, and we know <laughs> that we would be condemned if God gave us the justice we deserve. Yes, you have your issues. The whole picture of those two working together, I mean, they're going to beat, he, the one guy's going to beat the other guy up with a two-by-four out of his eye, and it's going to hurt him every time he hits the guy. I mean, it's just, it, the, the, the whole story is amazing. This, it's a wonderful illustration with some practical principles in this whole place to help put in our daily, this is one of the most practical lessons. I mean, the, the lessons are so clear in this passage. I mean, it's like, boom, 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 okay? So, and he gives us these principles, Straightforward principle. So here's number one. Number one, don't condemn folks. Don't condemn them. That's what the word means. Condemn them means you're guilty and I've cast judgment. Don't condemn people. Stop it. And when you find yourself going, stop it. Stop it. Don't condemn folks. Which is what I mean by that. Don't cast your own personal final judgment that because you think you got it figured out what that person's problem is, that you actually have it figured out. And you know what? Even if you do have it figured out, so what? Is it any of your business to fix? Let's stop and think about that. Because there's two different answers to that. And we're going to find that out in a little bit. Now, well, I don't think they should be doing that. That's great. But don't cast personal judgment. First things, first things you know, I think they should be doing this. Well, be careful. Don't condemn. It's, it, even if you understand that there might be a problem, don't condemn. Don't cast judgment, whether in liberty or in legalism, because both sides do it. Well, you're just being a legalist. Well, you're just ignoring God and just going off to do whatever you want. And they all throw bombs at each other, however you want to do it, whether in liberty or in legalism. Don't you personally condemn, especially another believer, nor cast your final judgment on that person. Well, they're just, I, I, I'm telling you, I had to walk through this whole process in my head because I walked out of a church one time and said, that person is a wolf. And I, all the, everything that they did shows that they're being a wolf in the church. I don't know that to be the case, but it sure looked like it. And I'm sitting here going, I wonder if there's another part of the story that I don't know about. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, whether in liberty or in legalism, don't condemn. So, that's, again, the synonyms of this whole thing. Disapproving, critical, severe, contemptuous. Well, I can't believe they think that is okay. Well, you just think you're, they just think they're so spiritual. How can you be a Christian and act like that? Well, aren't, isn't she Miss Godly Grandma? People that can listen to that kind of music, they can't be Christians. 
How can you call yourself a believer and dress like that? That person acts so high and mighty, it just gives me the creeps. Well, they just think they're all that in a bag of chips. Maybe you've heard some version of some of those. Now, some of the things that are being talked about might have some rights or wrongs, but do you hear the condemnation in the attitude? Condemnation, here's the problem with condemnation. It doesn't help them, and it doesn't help you. You're not helping them, and you're not helping you. Amen. You need... All it does, everybody gets hurt. Look, look at the picture. Look at the picture in here again. The guy with the two-by-four sticking out of, his, out of his eye trying to help another guy. You think the guy with the two-by-four two by sticking out of his face is really seeing that great? No. So I can imagine he's like, oh, sorry, you got my finger in your eye there. Oop, that's up your nose. <laughs> Meanwhile, the two-by-four is beating the snot out of both of them. You hear that? Condemnation helps no one. Everybody gets hurt. Some of you have been hurt by situations like this. And guess what? Some of you are hurting and will hurt or have hurt other people the same way. A condemning, censurious spirit is like a grenade thrown at someone who's three feet away. Judgment. Now here's another problem. Is that kind of attitude and that kind of spirit, there's no healing involved in any of that. Do you you hear me? There's no healing. Notice he says in verse 3, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? He's not saying about helping here. He's saying, well, you got a mote in your eye. He's not even actually trying to get the mote out. What he's saying is, look at you, look at you, look at you, all the while. (laughs) Ouch, 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 ouch. Oh, man, you're such a loser. What are Christians supposed to be doing to each other? Well, in a church context, you love, but that love should produce building each other up. Edification. 1 Corinthians 13.1 Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Verses 4 and 5, that same chapter, charity suffereth long, is kind, Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Romans 15, verses 1 and 2. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. We ought to bear. Now here's the deal. It's not saying who is the strong and who is the weak. If you think you are the strong, guess what? Shut your mouth and bear the the infirmities that you believe is in the other person who might be, in your version, weak. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Hear that? We don't need to tear each other down. Not... No, there needs to be some help. Right? Do you got your own problems? I, I, I hesitate to say. I remember one time, uh, I think it was my dad one time, talk, like saying, 
I mean, you know, you know if, you're, if you're not a sinner and you raise your hand, and a lady actually raised her hand, that was the, I'm like, I think I was 17. I'm like, oh, people actually think they don't sin? I've, what kind of mess is that? Listen, you've got your own problems and you know it. And if I was to hand you a piece of paper that you could very quickly burn up, you could write them down quite easily. Problem this, problem that, problem this. Hope nobody saw that. Let me ask you a question. Do you even know how to fix your problems? Your anxiety? Your lust? Your anger? Your selfishness? Your lack of empathy? Your lack of witnessing? Your wasted time? Your constant involvement with things that have no eternal value whatsoever? Do you, do you, do you know how to fix that? As in, if you know, then it's been fixed. If it's not fixed, then you don't know how to fix it. Do you know how to fix your problems? And let, let's just be truthful. Here we are over here pretending that we got figured out what all these other people are doing wrong. Well, they should just, if they would just, well, if they would just do blah, 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 blah. And we can't even fix our own stinking problems. Let's just be honest about this. You look in your own heart and you find that, you find, you find that thing, look at that and say, I can't even fix this. I've been to God so many times about this, I don't even know what to do anymore. I can't even fix this. And you want to go and help somebody else fix their problem. Come on. This is exactly what's being given here in this passage. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 1 John chapter 1. Your mind, listen, your mind, it's amazing, we live in such a microwave world that we think everything needs to happen like this. And so when I pray a couple times and I even come to the altar and maybe fast a day or maybe even like, you know, I pray that God will take this thing away and it doesn't happen, you know, like in an hour or two or maybe a day or two, God doesn't care about me. And so what do we do? We end up saying, they got a problem. They got a problem. They got a problem. I don't feel so bad about myself. Well, that's a really bad. You hear that? We start, instead of continuing to focus with God on our own issues, we start placing ourselves, well, I'm not as bad. I'm as good as everyone else, and I'm about as bad as everyone else. I'm okay. Well, they're really bad. I kind of wish I could be like here. Comparing ourselves among ourselves, which is not wise. Your mind needs to stop learning. It means to stop. Okay, I'm just going to read it. I'm trying to say it from memory. Your mind needs to learn to stop focusing on the sins and downfalls of others. And instead, you need a serious sit down with Scripture and obey it and watch it make changes in your life. Amen. Watch it and the power of the Spirit make changes in your life that you could never make. Watch, listen, are Christians supposed to grow? He shall be a tree planted by the rivers of waters that will bring forth his fruit in his time. That's growth and fruit. Do you have that? 
You know what? We spend so much time with things that are just, you know, while it's not a sin, great, it's not a sin. And how much of that are you just going to be really thankful you were involved in when you get to heaven? You know, this Bible keeps fusing things like Romans chapter 5, sin shall no more have dominion over you. And that's a fact. The Bible said it. It's a truth. It's a truth of God. The principles of that book, of that Romans passage are, are brought out in Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Galatians. Put off, put on, stop this, start this, put in place. This is how you deal with that. I mean, it's amazing. How about, how about you get into this book, like seriously, and stop expecting the preacher to just happenstance preach on your sin at some point, waiting for it to happen, and instead yourself get along with God and find out how to take care of your sin by the power of God yourself. Well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Put off, put on is the promise of God for victory, and you'll, you'll never be perfect. No. There'll constantly be something else to work on. Yes. But if you're being beaten by sin right now, and you cannot beat it, what's the Bible say here? Thou hypocrite, verse 5, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. That's a command to you as a believer to work on your own stinking problems. There are answers. Well, I haven't found any yet. Really? How serious have you looked? It's amazing when people say that and say, have you ever read your Bible through? How much Bible are you reading right now? Yeah. We talked about this last week. Your mind has long-term and short-term memory. A lot of really good short-term memory. Long-term is one of those things that make us go, you know what I'm talking about? What did you have for breakfast last week? Thursday. That's not important. Why don't I need that? You know, now, some of you are going, peanut butter, toast, and coffee. I have it every morning. Yeah, I mean, you get what I'm talking about. You know, you hear what I'm saying? There's a lot of things that it just kind of keeps right there. And those are the things by which your brain, your mind, your brain, your physical brain, the highways that are most used, those are they're called synapse, neurons, physical pathways that your brain uses, it's going to continually search for the answers in those primary pathways that you've been stuffing in all the time. So if you're watching endless reruns of Magnum P.I. and you're not reading the Bible and you're listening to the country station all the time and listening to no preaching, guess where all the problem solving is going to come from that your brain has access to? Magnum P.I. and Travis Tritt. Just be honest. So when you search for real answers, guess what you don't have? Well, I just don't get all of it. Do you think anybody does? Seriously. I'm going to tell you, tonight, when Lefty stabbed Hefty, I love the whole story of Ehud and Eglon. I mean, it's, just, it's, the, it's an awesome story. I really like it. Try preaching out of that thing sometime. Like, yeah, where's the points? Well, it's kind of the same as the judge before and the judge after. But it's in there for a reason. 
It's taken me days. Matter of fact, I'm still not done. I'm going to be spending a good bit of the afternoon still kind of collectively narrowing this thought process down. And I've been thinking on it since Monday. I had all the basics on it on Monday. Why? Because Scripture takes time and prayer and fasting and asking God to help us see the things, not that are, well, I believe this means to me. No, what Scripture's teaching, what are the principles that are there? That's why I love this passage, just like clear as a bell. Don't do this. Do this. Here's don't do this and do this. Stop looking at everyone else and work on your own issues. Amen. Amen. Now, look at verse 5. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now, that's kind of interesting, because that feels the opposite of what the first part of the verse we think it means, doesn't it? Because now what it's saying is, okay, now that you got your problem fixed, you might be able to help your brother. Might. That's what that passage is saying. It's not saying anything different. Now you might be able to be a help to them. That's what it says. You can't make it say anything different. Now, now granted, do you think the guy's eyesight was messed up that had the two-by-four sticking out? Do you think things might look a little different once his eyesight is in proper place? Something to think about. I wonder how many of other people's problems would disappear when we get our eyesight fixed. Amen. Now, if I do figure out how to solve an issue by the grace of God and by studying Scripture, I do have the tools by which I can now begin to start helping others overcome their issues. Why? Because I found the Word of God on the matter. And God does not lie. Amen. He does not. It is helpful. Fix your own problems first. Well, is there any other scripture that backs this up? Seriously, you're asking me that? 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Just go read Peter, because he pretty much tells us, you guys just need to suck it up and start growing up. Hebrews 5, chapter 12 through 14. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those, listen, who by reason of use, in other words, they're familiar with using it, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. They understand strong meat, strong meat, scripture, study, deep, amen, thought processes. Once you know how to find God's help for your problems, again, you might, instead of being a critical, judgy hypocrite, you might actually come out the other end and say, man, God is good. God helped me with this. People need to hear this. In reality, this passage actually is a slam on anyone who says, well, I'm a better Christian than you. (laughs) You understand, a person who sees the work of God in his own life feels the humility to understand, listen, I don't have the answers, but you know what? This book does. God and this book can help you. Amen. I don't have the answers, but I know the one who does. 
I know the person who helped me, not the, oh, I got to put up with them again. Now it's interesting, 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that while love is good and love should be used to edify each other, prophecy is the thing in the church that God uses the most. So if you're missing church, you're probably prophecy being preaching. If you're missing the preaching, you're probably missing the counseling that you need. I, I just found that out, even the practicality of that in the, in the counseling. Listen, 1 Corinthians 13 is there to teach us that sometimes love, well, all the time love is needed so that we can respond properly. If someone needs help, and also if someone is trying to help. You hear me? We can still respond in love. Well, what do you think I am? Some kind of a fourth grader? You think I need to go back to Sunday school? What are you trying to help me for? Listen, love is the response. The desire is to edify the brethren in grace. Just like judgment is not help, is not help. Judgment is not help. Also, help is not condemning judgy hypocrisy. That is not to say that we as believers aren't to lead people to recognize some of their own sin and walk out of it. That is not to say that we are not to edify, to help lift up the brother, to, to be, but it's supposed to come from a heart of love and encouragement, not a arms folded, nose in the air, looking down at you like you're some loser. We already feel like losers. That's not going to help. Judgment is not help. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Is, is it not true that if I, this whole passage right here says, with, with, judge, with what judgment ye meet, you know, that's the judgment's going to be meted out to you. Is it not true that if I bark at someone, what are they most likely to do back? Bark. Maybe a little louder. Amen. The Lord closes. I love this. The Lord closes with just a little t- a tidbit of wisdom right at the end of this. A wonderful piece of advice for those who finally do find I have got a precious jewel from Scripture. This can help people. And he says, verse 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under your feet and turn again and rend you. You know what? Great. You got some good wisdom from Scripture. It's helped you. It's been great. You are not going to be able to help everyone. And in some cases, you shouldn't even try. Are you hearing me? If you know that the moment you open your mouth, this person's going to turn on you and just slam invectives wreck at you, it's better just to zip it. It's funny, I, I learned a great lesson, but we had a couple in the church where I was assistant pastor who were having some severe issues, and I happened to be with the pastor at the moment, and it was late. And I heard him say, this is from my experience, I heard him say, all right, Go get a motel. No, no, you go get a, no, listen. You leave her there, you go get a motel room, come see me in the morning. They're all done, and I'm like, you're not going to go over and talk to him? He says, no. Why not? He says, ain't not one thing I can say tonight that'll be a help. All they're doing is, they're all, you hear? They're just full of fight right now. All they want to do is, I'm right there, wrong there. There's not a thing I can do to help them. Tomorrow morning, when they've had some rest, and we can talk a little bit more 
logically and calmly, then we'll talk. Okay. That's, that's, pretty good, that's pretty good wisdom. You can go, there are people, and you know this, there are times when nobody can say anything to you. Then you know they're right, and you ain't going to listen to them. They can say it, and it hurts, but you ain't listening. Mm-mm. No, I am. I am going to run into that wall 90 miles an hour. Ain't nobody going to stop me. What's going to hurt? I don't, frankly, care. You're not just going to hurt yourself if you try to help someone that you know they're not going to receive it. Why would you even do that? Well, somebody's got to tell them. Nope, it's not you. Not today. Amen. Sometimes rarely. You can only, listen, you can only help someone who understands your purpose for trying to help. Listen, you hear that? You hear that? They understand why you're coming to them. Well, even if you have to explain it, they understand your goal in trying to help them. And they also understand that there's going to be a process in this. They're will, if they're willing to hear those things, you can be a help. If they're, not, if they're not, don't waste good advice on bad tempers. It's just not worth it. Amen. Amen. This, is, this is one of the most practical passages. Fix yourself. <laughs> and when you fix yourself, maybe you, could, you might be able to help some other people. Now, here's the deal with that. Here's the deal with that. Young couple moved into a new neighborhood. Next morning, eating breakfast. Young couple, young wife is at the sink starting to clear up the dishes and dishes and she looks outside and she's like, Man, I don't know what kind of laundry detergent that lady that new late young wife over there is using, but it, I wonder if she needs some help. Because her clothes are all, I mean, her clothes and laundry, it's dirty. That's just She'd say it every morning. She'd make this little comment. Oh, my goodness. Just, I can't believe it. Just think she'd learn how to clean her clothes. I mean, somebody's really, they, somebody needs to go talk to that young wife and show her how to wash her clothes. One morning she gets up, they have breakfast, and she goes over and she looks out and says, Wow! Somebody must have taught her how to wash. Those, that's the cleanest, cleanest laundry I've ever seen. Come on, I wonder who taught her this. Her husband's sitting over there in his chair drinking a cup of coffee, and he says, well, I got up early this morning and cleaned all the windows. Did you hear the point? What a, Christ, what a church, what Jerome Bible Baptist Church needs and what the people around us, the lost people need, is not... Or, well, we just, you know, we don't do that over where we are. Well, we don't have a problem with doing that. We find we have perfect liberty doing that. You hear what I'm saying? Fix your own problems. And the only way that's going to happen is by digging into Scripture Serious, serious time. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. Don't, don't start thinking about the other people in your life that you wish would hear this message. It's not for them. It's for you here that's sitting here right now. You. Get in, get in with God. Spend some real time in prayer and fasting and actual study. Looking up words. Looking up 
Is there, is there anything in Scripture that deals with what I'm dealing with? I guarantee you, by principle or something, it's in here. It's not like, you know, how do I quit smoking? Was it Saul that smoked or was it Joab? No, there's principles. And if you're a believer, you've got the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth, right? You hear me? Here you go. You want me to, should I quote my favorite verse again? Or one of my favorite verses? I just need to start signing this in my Bible now and when people ask me to sign because it's, there's just too many of them. Second <clears throat> Peter 1.3 According as his divine power hath given unto us, past tense, we already have it, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Where do we get that knowledge? Right here. It's right here. Amen. Two by fours and slivers. Stop beating each other up. Stop beating each other up. Father, Father, 